Hello, friends. Welcome to Play Along Podcast, a podcast where we play games. Uh, this is the very first episode of Continual Round Zero. I'm ready. I'm one of your hosts, Jared, and today I'm here with Ben. Hello. <laughs> and I'm here with Guy. Hello. You were ready, so I'd like I'd prolong the readiness. I can tell. Right? It's fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're finally here. We've been talking about playing Kentucky Route Zero for a while now. Uh, we finally made it. I'm excited. This 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 is it's hooked me. Um, something we do before when we start these games is kind of go across the panel and kind of gauge everyone's experience with this. We've talked about this a little bit in a couple of episodes, so we'll kind of just breeze through it. Uh, for me, myself, the only exposure I had of, of this game before playing it for the podcast is just really hearing Kai talk about it. I hadn't really seen any screenshots or any gameplay for it at all. So everything I saw uh, this last week when we were playing was all brand new to me. So super excited. What about you, Ben? What is your exposure prior to the podcast? Oh, prior to the podcast, absolutely nothing. I had no idea this game existed. I hadn't even, as as horrible as it sounds, I hadn't even seen it listed in a store or or anything. Like I hadn't seen it on the Nintendo store at all. I don't, I don't know about the other consoles, PlayStation and Xbox, but the TV edition just came out recently, which is the, the combination of all five acts that are available, uh, which is what the Nintendo Switch version is. But it's, it's available on other consoles. I just don't know if it came right as the Switch version did as well. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I had no exposure to this until until Kai told me. And Kai, of course. Hello. You've played this. Kentucky Route Zero. <laughs> I've played more than I thought I played previously. So I think oh, the last so you've time been we, through multiple Yeah, acts? so I, I looked through the other acts just huh. to see where I ended up. I believe I ended somewhere around Acts 3. Okay. Is that where Are I you, kind of... Just, I was yeah. say, because at the end of Act 1, I was like, wait, did Kai finish this here? I just think this was the end of the game. Very <laughs> <laughs> short. Well, and that's what I thought. Like, we were playing it the other night, and we were sitting next to each other, and I was like, wait, you only played to this part? That's wild. I mean they're supposed to be like consumed kind of like as a weekly television show. So it's like, Oh, tune in next time and see what happens. But I was like, that's all you play. That's wild. Yeah, <laughs> I played this quite a few years ago. Uh, and in very short bursts, I, I was playing this in undergrad and didn't have a lot of time for video games, but this is something that I was very interested in. Um, I believe we heard about this through some game show like like e3 or something like that i don't remember specifically or maybe mm-hmm. some release maybe. and saw it and was like well a annapurna is my hero and they make many games that i yeah they, are, they have they have like bangers yeah they really are consistent uh and this is you know something that is very uh, I'm, I'm a fan of the magical realism genre in general in, in fiction and in novels so i was like well a magical realism video game that seems just like something i have to experience right. and uh i decided to buy it on my computer and play through it and it's very different it's interesting playing the, the tv or version the console version because the, the game's a point and click adventure yeah the, the original game was point and click um which was very surprising when all of a sudden you could move around and there's 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 and we'll get into this a little bit later but there's kind of point and click aspects to it you the, can the, yeah you can tell it was yeah the, the transfer to like a console or a controller isn't like super fluid but it, it works fine like the controls work fine yeah. but you can tell this was built for kind of a keyboard and mouse situation yeah. um but yeah a little bit about kentucky route zero before we get into it like we said it is a point and click adventure game uh developed by cardboard computer and it's published by annapurna uh really uh, at this point on a multitude of calls i believe it's on everything uh it was first revealed in 2011 as a kickstarter uh and the first episode released in 2013 and 
sporadically until just last year in 2020. So throughout those years, they they slowly put out more and more acts until 2020 when the last act came out. And then they had the whole complete TV edition, which is the package of all five of these acts. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't I didn't realize that it was revealed all the way back in 2011. 2011. That was 10 years ago. 2013, that's wild. Yeah, first episode in 2013. Yeah. But that's crazy. So, um, do you imagine like, I mean... So that's like an episode every year and a half. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching a TV show and only getting an episode like every year and a half. Not only that, but you know, we've we've obviously just played through the first act, and it feels very modern as far as indie games go. It feels right. very present as far as like other games that we played. I mean, we just played through a game called Oxen Free, yes, which is... I think is compared to this, which just came out in 2020 or 2019. And it is yeah. it is on the same level, if not yeah. a, even a little below where Kentucky Route Zero is, as far as you if know, if you're playing Kentucky Route Zero and you're enjoying this game, you'll love Oxen Free. Oxen Free is great, and yeah. they just announced that Oxen Free is actually getting a sequel, so that's super cool to see. Kind of these smaller indie titles become popular and, and yeah. warrant more afterward. I mean, same thing with Kentucky Route Zero. And obviously, this game is still popular. Yeah. As you were saying previously, the vinyl release of the soundtrack of just, this game... Yeah, it just went up for pre-order yesterday, and it's already sold out. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Video, video game vinyl nerds are a, a whole other level <laughs> a of whole other, collector and human being that I can't compete with, but uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, this is crazy. I'm looking at the reception that this Oh, got. it's fantastic, yeah. Um. March of this year, it won the BAFTA Game Award for Original Property and was nominated oh, wow, for the go. Narrative Award. Yeah, there you go, Kentucky. Right it's, um, yeah, it must have it must have been really strange, like kind of following this in the beginning, like seeing its release and be like, wow, like that's something I'm interested in, and then getting the initial release in 2013, but only having Act One available because this, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but it ends very abruptly. Yeah, well, that's what was <laughs> yeah. strange to me because I was like. I'm looking here, Rock, Paper, Shotgun named it Game of the Year in 2013. So obviously yeah. they only had oh, wow. Act 1, and they were like, this is Game of the Year. I which mean, is, which I mean, that just says something. Like, that was really. 2013. I think Final Lots Fantasy 13. <laughs> so many games. But um, I mean, I think, I, I think the, this is kind of also a product of maybe not just the Switch, but like indie games have grown in popularity. Oh yeah, definitely. In in like since 2013, since it's first released, but I mean, almost to the sense of it kind of like overshadowing some of the AAA titles, you know? Because I people... mean, look at Undertale, right? Exactly. Or even like recently with um, oh gee, uh, Hades. Like Hades won Game of the Year over like at um the the Dice Awards over games like The Last of Us and stuff like that. I so. mean, you can even go larger than that. I mean, you can talk about what's the the game that was super popular that's like venting and all that stuff. I mean, that's an indie game. Oh, Among uh, Us. Among Us. Oh, Among Us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was enormous. Right. And that's, and I, I mean, that was the biggest game in 2020 for a while. I mean, next to Animal Crossing, which is obviously. Not I, I'm, gra- I'm glad you grabbed venting, Ben, as Among Us. So I was like, I, when you said venting, I thought of someone like confessing, like and talking. I was like, wait, what are you talking about? Venting. I know like three things about that game. <laughs> I know you're in space. I know there's something called venting, and I know the word sus, and that's it. So. <laughs> That's all you got. Those were my context clues. I'm glad someone understood what I was saying. Maybe we'll play a round of Among Us, the podcast. Sure, oh my god, please. I've I've never legitimately played like That's a Among lie. Us. We've we, played together. We did, but we played with another group of people that were all in the same room together. So it was hard to like 
you know, be secretive about things. Like people play through Discord and like have their like mics muted and stuff like that, so you can get kind of the okay. full experience. We'll play with that kind of way. As an off note, before we actually jump into the game, I'll talk to the friends of mine because we we have a Discord and we have a bot that mutes us. So yeah. if you're dead, people can't hear you, and right. while people are playing, the dead people can chat to each other. So, I mean, if you want to get into yeah. it, then then by yeah, all means, we all play in separate rooms as well. So see, that's the good thing because like when we played, someone died and someone's like, "Oh, this person killed me," and then everyone's like, "Oh, that person killed you." Oh, that's that. Sorry, guess, not guess to be cool. horrible. That's a lame ass way to play that. Right. Game. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would love to do that. But today's episode is not about Among Us. Today's episode is about the beginning of Kentucky Route Zero. So the kind of synopsis of this game is you play a truck driver named Conway, and he works for an antique store called Lissette's Antiques. And the antique store is not doing so well. It's going out of business, and this is his kind of final hurrah, his final uh, delivery that he has to do. Um and just to start with kind of just the aesthetic of this game it's beautiful like the the style of this game is gorgeous it's very like minimalistic almost kind of like a a diorama almost like all these like little sections but also i would say it's very american oh yeah like any, oh, anyone who spent time in the midwest or in the more rural parts of america it, it has a very like americana 1950s decrepit vibe yeah. which i deeply appreciate oh it's it's gorgeous yeah it's um it, it it's great to see what people can do because it's a i believe it's called a 2.5 d yeah because you, you still like walk on a plane but you can walk you know up hills behind things it's a 2.5 d perspective that you're 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 playing it essentially just the, the art style of this game immediately hooked me in like straight away as soon as you pull up to the, the very first location i'm right. like wow okay like i I love this i don't yeah, even know oh, what this is and i love yeah, it. i don't know what this is but i like it i'm here i'm here for it um so yeah so so the first location that you you pull up to is called i think it's equus or equus oil which is which is this gas station you're obviously pulling in i'm assuming to, to fill up and get gas and ask for directions because you're trying to to get to this address which is like five dogwood drive or something like that that you're trying to get your last delivery to mm-hmm. um and you meet the owner of the the gas station joseph and you kind of have uh convert oh but before that you actually have a dog you have a little dog with a you choose a straw hat and this is where you're introduced to kind of the the beginnings and the concept of this game which is dialogue options you choose different dialogue options and you get different results and different you have different conversations with people as well and the very first one is you get to name your dog. Mm-hmm. What, did, what did you name your dog, Ben? Um, I named her Blue. Oh. Um, because when I saw the, the silhouette of the dog, I was like, oh, that kind of looks like a Great Dane. And then I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I imagined Blue like a grey Great Dane. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm set on this name now. So that's we, also we, named her blue. we also named her Blue. Yeah. The other option, so there's, uh, you can have the dog be female and name it Blue. You can have it be male and its name is Homer. Or you could say that I just picked up this dog. I don't know. What it's just an, old <laughs> it's just an old. It's just an old dog. Uh, so yeah, we uh, interesting that we both named the dog Blue. You're yeah. following the same path. I think. I, I mean, I don't know. I think there's something romantic about the idea of kind of like a a man who's older and alone who has this like very solitary job traveling yeah. around with like an old female companion dog. I don't know. There's something. 
How, yeah, how old do you think that. Conway's supposed to be? Like, I don't think it actually like explains like his age or anything. 40? 40, 40, 50 years old? Yeah, yeah I was, I was going to say like late 40s, early 50s. Mm-hmm. You get the impression he's he's done this for a age. while. Like, yeah. yeah, that's kind of why I went with Blue because I imagined like similar to to what Kai was saying, this man on the on the road on his own, um, and Blue is his dog companion that he talks to while he's driving yeah. for hours across the United States and stuff. So. I kind of fell in love with the idea of <laughs> of having yeah. this like dog companion yeah. called Blue. He also um, doesn't seem like in his conversations like super distraught about kind of this being his last, you know, delivery in the shop like closing down. It kind of conveys that like he's been working and doing this for a long <laughs> time and when it goes out of business he's like, "Okay, you know, like I've, I've come to terms with it, you know." Yeah. Um but you talk to Joseph cuz you're you're wanting to get directions to to this delivery which is like i said five dogwood drive um which is apparently off the namesake of the game route zero right that's what joseph tells you joseph tells you that to get there you have to take route zero yes um uh he also with the, the gas station the the power had gone out so there's no power to the station at all um and he he tells you to kind of help with this direction. He has a computer that you can use to 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 find your way, but you have to go down into the basement and essentially uh, flip on the breaker to get the power back on. Um, he also uh, in the conversations he has, like you, you end up like writing poetry. It, it's interesting because, and I'm I'm going to uh, start doing this moving forward because I didn't take notes during this playthrough, which I I definitely should have done. But oh, okay, right, yeah, yeah, but I remembered a lot of the conversations we had, and I also like watched the playthrough, which helps and doesn't because you'll get different dialogue options yeah. depending on how you answer. Um, so I don't remember exactly what we did for, for the poem part. What did you write down for yours? What was your poem then? Um, my poem was so this was the 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 context for this is that he tells you the password to the computer. <clears throat> oh, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, a, is a short poem that sums it all up. Like, don't worry, you'll get it. That's that's what he says essentially. Right, right. Um, and you get three phrases you choose from, and then you you write like this kind of free line haiku style poem. Mm-hmm. Um, so mine was: I talk and listen to him talking. Nobody saw the accident. The lights whine. Yeah, I remember ours making just as much sense. <laughs> Imagine having that long of a password. Right, exactly. <laughs> you really, you really got to get that security down. You know? uh, also, to to add on to, I guess the scene of this, uh, the gas station is a giant horse, horse head. head. Yeah, which is also the cover of the game. Correct. Uh, for those of you who maybe don't have the game or haven't gotten there yet, uh, yeah, it's the. I also believe the there's an alternative cover, which is blue in the hat, or Homer, or just the old dog. Depending. Blue. Yeah. Good old blue. Good old blue. But uh, just to give some context. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so, so like you said, the, the poem was kind of the password to get into the computer, but first we have to go down into the basement to kind of, uh, reset, reset the circuit breaker to get the power back on. Uh, so you head down into the basement and it's kind of this, the view changes to kind of like a, I don't know how to describe it, like almost a cut in half version of you being underground. You can still kind of see half the gas station above but you're kind of looking through this underground uh basement in a, in a 2d plane essentially Almost like an ant farm yeah yeah an ant farm is a great way to describe that um 
And when you get down there, there's a, there's a handful of people that are playing some sort of game on this table and they're kind of having their conversation to themselves. You try to ask them questions and stuff like that, but they kind of just, you know, push you off and continue their game. It sounds like they're playing Dungeons and Dragons or something because they reference. They're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. 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 They reference that they uh, had dropped their 20 sided die and they're like, where's what are, where, where are our 20 sided die going? Stuff like that. So <clears throat> you head down an opposite direction and you one of the mechanics in this game is you can turn on and off this lantern that you have uh lantern flashlight i don't remember exactly what i think it's a flashlight it's a flashlight yeah you still there ben yeah i'm him just okay cool. <laughs> okay just make sure got ptsd now <laughs> like <laughs> you throw it in and out no i think uh, okay. it's um i think it's a lantern i believe joseph gives yeah. it to you um, yeah yeah so it is a lantern so you can you can switch this on and off by kind of tapping a or if you're on pc there's a little icon at the very bottom Um, And this mechanic plays into different situations and scenarios throughout the game. Uh, But in this sense, you're you're trying to find this 20-sided die for them. And the only way you can do that is you turn off your lights and the die actually glows in the dark. Yeah, they they tell you. They're like, oh, we'll turn off lights because the die glows in the dark. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't... I mean, I, I got the impression they didn't even know it was there. Yeah, It wasn't so much that they shunned me off as that they couldn't hear me. Right, right. Um, but yeah, you you find the you find the die the d the d twenty yeah the d twenty uh, and then once you turn the uh, the light back on after finding the die suddenly the group has disappeared right the 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 four people that were sitting at this table have now vanished and immediately I was like oh, okay I'm ready this is it I, I love it I'm already this, this is really the the you know the first time you get a sense of there's there's gonna be more going on in this game than just like a man. Right. You're not you're not just a, you're not just a dude delivering antiques to this to this destination. That there's there's definitely something spoopy and supernatural happening. Spoopy. 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 Yeah. Uh, did you we, guys um as I say, did you give the D twenty back? Because you get a no. prompt to either keep it in your jacket or to place it on the table. So we kept the D twenty. Okay, interesting. I I put it on the table. That's because you're a good person. <laughs> I also recommended we put it back. And Jared was like, "I'm gonna keep this." Like, well, okay. so I as I, I had the feeling they were kind of ghosts anyway, or like some sort of supernatural stuff was happening. Right. Um. And then when they disappeared, I was like, "Okay, right. There's definitely something going on." And so to me, it was like like an unfinished business kind of thing. Like mm. in my in my head, I kind of rationalized it as these people can't move on, and they're in this basement because they can't find this D twenty. So if I give them this D twenty, it's like their business is done and they can move on. Well, I'm not saying that's how it was. Just make me but... feel like a prick. <laughs> now these ghostly figures are trapped in an ever looping hell because you couldn't give a dice. Well, it's also or... interesting. So I'm, I'm curious if. if if or when this dice comes into play because when you do open your menu you have kind of you have a notebook but you you can also use the d20 and you can roll the d20 so i'm curious okay i'm curious if that comes into play at all later in the game because we had taken the d20 oh is is that you're like i'm not going to tell you anything hands i honestly don't remember okay (laughs) i mean i I guess like yeah i mean like to i i mean i play i play D. &D. i'm the i'm the dungeon master of of our group at the minute (gasps) We should play. Me and Kai have never played before. Actually, yeah, I, I think you have. I've never so played. happily teach you. <laughs> I would um, love to. But 
I personally, I will use D20s to make decisions. Mm. Oh, interesting. So I will either I am working out how an NPC will react to something or one of the players is like, I want to do this. Can I do it? If I if I'm on the fence, I'll roll a D twenty, and then one to ten, it'll be a yes, and then eleven to twenty will be a no. So I kind of let the dice decide for me if I'm if I'm on the fence about it. Interesting. So I don't know if that's something that that later right. on down the line you could potentially do. Well, I mean, and later on you kind of get options to you know explore different areas. So I'm I'm, I'm curious if like if you decide to take the die and you are familiar with, familiar with the concepts of it. You could be like, okay, one to ten, I'm gonna go here. Eleven to twenty, I'm gonna go here, and you can roll the die and make that have that decide for you. It's possible. Interesting. We'll have to we'll have to try that when because I didn't actually use it. I just like oh, as I got it, I opened the menu. That's even solid. worse. You, you just took yeah. it and didn't use <laughs> you just, it. You just stole it. And forgot about it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. But when I first got it, I opened it and I was like, oh, you can roll this thing, and then I closed my menu and never touched it again. Yeah. <laughs> once you once you either steal or return the die, like a good person. You made your way out of the basement. It's really it's a, tunnel. To be it's a basement. tunnel system. But before you do that, as you pass the table, the breaker is on the far end of yeah. that room. You flip the breaker on, then you and head the back upstairs. Uh, yeah, he, he calls it a basement, but it's, it's it's weird. It has like this long ladder that you have to climb up and down to get there. It doesn't understand that we live in California. That's uh, right. We don't know what there's no basements are. here. <laughs> so yeah, I wouldn't really. It's more just kind of like the underground area of this garage. Like, I wouldn't really call it a basement per se. Yeah. Uh, So you head back out and you talk to Joseph and you you tell him that you went down there and you flipped on the lights, but there was was some people down there. And Joseph has no idea what you're talking about. Joseph's like... He's like, oh, it must have been just like... It's the shadow! A trick of the light or something (laughs) like that. I don't know why he... That's his voice for me. A trick of the light! A trick of the light! (laughs) There we are, peeking again. Yeah, yeah, screaming (laughs) into that. Uh... So now, now we're even more convinced that those were some kind of, you know, spiritual entity or we're just going crazy because we were down there. We had conversations or we were at least around conversations. There's also a lot of context clues that alert you that Joseph is blind. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that, I don't oh, know. Oh, well, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, Joseph's blind. Oh, yeah, Joseph's blind. Um, uh, well, even even later, later, uh, and maybe we got this dialogue because of our choices, but another character reassures us that joseph is blind yeah he, he she tells us that like oh he's that old crazy blind man yeah uh, ah. so fun, fun fact now you know we're gonna, is, we're gonna fill each other's story gaps. i know this is gonna be interesting i'm curious about how, uh, like, how this works yes and and what we're trying to locate the the zero obviously and correct he tells us that something marquez what's her name uh weaver weaver marquez well he, tell, he tells you that if you go find a, a person named marquez she knows all about the zero yeah. and she can get you to the zero, which is the route that's going to lead Conway to his destination. Um, so you go into the computer and you put in your fancy uh, uh, poem password <laughs> to, get, to get you to your directions to Marquez's farmhouse. Um, and a- as you go to leave, uh, um, Joseph also tells you, he's like, hey, I got this TV that I borrowed from her. You know, can you give it back to her when you head I'm, over there? I'm interested. Before... Before that, did you snoop through the computer? I did not. I went straight to the directions. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I went through the computer. <laughs> so maybe I'm what? not as good of a person. <laughs> there you hey, go. You know, We're balancing we all have our flaws. So what oh, was on the computer? He, he, got a, he got a pass, but I didn't for stealing the die. No, he's, no yeah. Okay. I was helping ghosts pass. 
Oh, okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, one of the messages was just from a friend of his saying that they should catch up, but the other message mm. was from the company who supply the gas to Joseph and the gas station. Oh, interesting. Saying that his account was horrifically in arrears, and they were talking about shutting off his supply and oh, essentially wow. making his company go under. Um, and there was also a section that said games, but it didn't contain any games. It was like the games are a lie. That's just the, the games are a lie. <laughs> One time, so I was like, I feel bad now because poor, poor Joseph's like. Getting and now he's blind too. Now you know he's, now blind. he's blind, which means he can't even read the correspondence that's being sent to him. <laughs> he thinks he's fine. Poor guy. Uh, yeah, so after you have that conversation, he does give you the TV, throws in the back of your truck, and tells you to give this to Marquez as you head over there. Um, and this is our first experience with the kind of driving mechanic. Yeah, so as, as <laughs> if you can call it that. <laughs> right. As you, as you enter your truck, the screen changes to kind of an overhead view of a black and white map. Yeah. And you're essentially a small tire rolling through these different streets and essentially you can move around freely i imagine in the game this is, is completely two-dimensional this is in 2.5 by the way no no this is completely a, like a two-dimensional it's like you're looking down at a black and white map and you're a small blip that's like traversing across this map um but one of the cool things is so w- when you were in the computer and you got the directions direct the, the direction said head northeast on 65 then turn left when you see the ugly tree that's always on fire that shit crazy but okay but th- those are actually directions that you have to follow. Like yeah, usually yes. in games, they like give you directions, and then like a blip will come up on your map, or like oh hey, or it just auto drives, or just auto drives. But no, you have to follow these actual directions: head northeast, try to find the the burning tree, and then go from there. So it was really cool that you have to like actually traverse this. You have to use a map, actually. Yeah, and the burning tree doesn't appear until you, until get, close you get close enough to it where you would most likely see it if you were on an actual road like you're experiencing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I Yeah, sorry. I actually drove past it uh, mm. the very first time. I carried on going north and I was like because if you keep going up north, you can't go past a certain point. You have like mm. a defined area to work with. Um and so I was like, okay, well where are the, where do I need to go now? And so I was mm-hmm. coming back down and I was going down these roads and I was like, okay, I need to stay on the 65. And then it randomly came up like flaming tree. I was like, right, oh, right. shit, okay. And, that, and that's kind of how it is for all the destinations. Like once you get close enough to them, they show up. And that happens with all the places that you can traverse. Yeah, I don't uh, think I, they stay on the map either. No, oh once you God. drive away from them, they go away. Just gonna have to remember. I wish that we would have done a little more exploring on this because uh, I, I also watched the walkthrough just to kind of pick up on points that we might have missed, which is hard because it's different depending on how you play. Yeah. Um, but there's actually uh, like two areas that you can go to besides the the Marquez's farm before you get there, and there's some there's some interactions that you can have with new characters and existing characters, I mean, which I'm I thought sure was interesting. You, like, there there is a story that everyone does follow, like a main story. And You're right, and of course. So you you will experience other things as well. I mean, right. Most of us will experience the same thing, and we might get some differing dialogue options depending on what we choose. Like yeah. us keeping the die and having the ability to roll the d20, and us picking up. I mean, I don't know if it was you just missed it entirely, or if it was like you didn't even get that dialogue option. But like the the us finding out that Joseph was blocked. Yeah. Too. So, um, but you eventually get to Marquez's farm. And which is at the bottom of a very long drive, very long driveway. <laughs> but the 
the viewpoint is kind of like like a pulled out view almost as if you're like in another building and you're looking kind of far out because because uh conway and his truck are, are quite small when you're when you're uh looking in this direction mm-hmm. yeah this was it's the... an interesting view yeah, this was the first area that I... Actually, the only area I had a very small struggle with. Um, because the dirt path kind of forks. And the idea is you take the right fork and take this winding path up the hill to the farmhouse at the top. But because of the the depth of it, I couldn't yeah. work out where I needed to put Conway <laughs> right. so that he actually took that path I wanted. Well, you can because you, you could still walk straight. You can walk straight, and there's like a lamppost, and you click on, it and it's like, oh, this is a lamppost, and you're like, okay, cool, yeah. thanks. But, but then, this is one of those things where it's like, it's an easy and point and click because you just go to the top. Right. Of the if you just click, if you click at the top of the farmhouse, was I imagine yeah. Conway would just walk uh, up the navigating path a uh, two dimensional, <laughs> two point five dimensional space and trying right. to like nail the distance between the two yeah. splits is because I I had a reference that this game is a little bit point and click in the sense of because you use the the analog stick to move Conway but if you get close enough to a marker it'll say like enter house or enter truck and e- even if you're not like next to those you can get close enough and it will prompt you to click on them and then Conway will just run towards them so there's some point and click aspects to this but no in, in this sense having a mouse and being able to click up at the house would definitely be very helpful, helpful. <laughs> yes yeah um. But Conway makes his way up this extremely long dirt driveway. And as he gets to the top, the, the game begins to silhouette. Now you're, you're looking at kind of the front of this, this house, you, the house, the background, everything is kind of silhouetted. And a graveyard. Yeah, you notice that there's a graveyard at the top of this walkway. Uh, and the headstones have three names on it. Nawakasi, Nawakasi, Padilla, and Marquez. So you notice that Marquez's name was on this headstone. Which I was like, ooh. Spooky, mm. scary. Spooky, scary. Uh, but that's pretty much it in terms of outside of the house. There's just this graveyard. Um, as you enter the house, you meet Marquez, Weaver Marquez. Mm-hmm. And she does not seem thrown or surprised or shocked that this random gentleman has just entered her home. No. She just starts talking to you. She is not faced. She asks questions like, do you like our house or have you been here before or have you seen an owl? And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. She, um, she, it's almost like she's been expecting you. That was like yeah. the vibe I got. It's almost like she was like, Oh, you're finally here. It was kind of like, mm. the, cause she, again, she was not like phased at all. She was like, Oh, do you like our house? And we were more surprised there. that she was there than she was surprised. Right. I was expecting it to be empty. But she was here. And I was like, Oh, hello. Hi. Yeah, and you um, you you chat to her, and you get some kind of understanding of the house. She, she's like, mm-hmm. you know, there was a house here before. Mm-hmm. We knocked it down. We built this house on top of the land that we knocked the house off of. Um, and eventually, you get round to the TV, mm-hmm. and I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was along the lines of, like Joseph told me that you wanted this TV, but it's right. a bit of an antique. Um, and she said something along the lines of like being bored of reading books or, or something like this. Right. Like she was going to have more time to watch TV now. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting conversation. Yeah. Interesting. That's, that's very similar. I think, yeah. She, she, yeah. she tells us a little bit about herself. She tells us that she's a mathematician. A lot of her, like 
a lot of her conversations with us feels very disjointed. She'll randomly, like with the owl, she'll randomly like ask us a question or like tell us a bit of information that has nothing to do with kind of the situation. Like, hey, I'm a mathematician. And it's like, okay, I didn't, didn't awesome. ask. And not, anyway, not why I'm the, here. The television. Uh, but yeah, you, you tell her that you have, uh, that Joseph had sent you. And she's like, oh, well, do you have a gift for me? Almost as if she was expecting that television to come. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, yeah, Joseph had given me this television for you. And so you you put it down and hook it up for her. And right now, the again, the, the view is kind of like this ant farm style and you can see inside the house. And as you hook up the TV, the, the house silhouettes again, again and it, it kind of zooms in slowly. And then the room is lit by only the screen of the TV. And then almost the back of the house kind of dissipates. So you can see this barn that's behind the house on the outside. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the kind of the, the material of the house move out of the way. So you can view this barn that's, that's behind the house. Yeah. Um, which again, which has a giant wide. spiraling diamond on it. So, you know, <laughs> yes. it's really keeping with the themes of, yeah, I believe it's it's like a decrepit barn, <clears throat> two horses on your right, and then yeah. just this very odd geometrical spiral diamond that's on the top of the house. Yeah, and uh, I'm curious of of your options or what what you chose in this next section, Ben, because uh, and if it was different than ours, she she tells you like, hey, you set up the TV raw. Who was it? Your mom or your dad that didn't let you watch TV? And again, going back to the very disjointed comments and conversations. Uh, I chose that Ma, it was our mom that didn't let us watch TV because she was always afraid that there was ghosts in the TV, which is interesting. And then she asks us, oh, was your mom mentally ill, like fearful all the time? And we, we tell her, yes, but it just had to be that way. Implying that, you know, our mom was ill, but that was the way that it, <clears throat> that it had to be. Interesting. Uh, I think I went down that route as well. Okay. Because I was debating, I believe the other one was that dad was strict. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, no, I, I, let's go with the spoopy theme. Let's go with the mentally ill mother. Yeah. yeah, and after that, she's like, well, have you been paying attention? Like, you should start paying attention from now on. Almost implying that, like... We weren't paying attention. We weren't, we weren't paying attention before, A, and now to keep a, a closer look at kind of these options, what she's saying, what other people are saying. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it begins to zoom into this barn. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, this, at this time, Conway's like, I, I really just need to get to the zero. Uh, <laughs> Joseph told me that you could help me. And uh, Weaver expresses that as, as much as she would want to get, get you to the zero, she would rather you take the TV to her sister, her, no, her cousin, sorry, her cousin Shannon, who fixes TVs. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, but I'll still help you. And then she gives you directions. She's like, here's the directions to the zero on ramp. Yeah. And then as as the, the game kind of pans back out to the original view when you first met Weaver, she is gone. Yeah, uh, yes. what, one thing as well is there was kind of, as we entered her house, there was a car in her driveway. That car is also gone. Okay, I didn't notice that. I, I made a note of something she said. She says, uh, she's talking about Shannon. She says, that's my yeah. brother's daughter, Shannon. We're about the same age. Well, we used to be. She's older now. Interesting. Implying that, like, maybe 
maybe Weaver's dead and she doesn't age anymore. I would like to say, I love the writing of this game. I oh, mean, no, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. It makes, there's a lot of points that makes no sense. And like, that's kind of part of the aesthetic, but right, just the, like, the general like dialogue options. Like I feel in a lot of, especially these games are a little too esoteric. Like yeah. it's, it's like a, it's like a little overboard. And I think this does just like a fantastic job of being very uh, interesting, but not overly right. so. Well, even, I guess I, I expressed that the conversations, especially right now with Weaver, were disjointed, but that kind of just adds to the kind of aesthetic and mood of these conversations and this game in, in general. You're just like, this lady's crazy and I don't really like want to be here. And Yeah, like, and it's interesting too because there's such a difference between the way we speak and interact with someone like, you know, Joseph at the beginning, but also mm-hmm. then, then Weaver and then eventually, I mean, we're going to get to meeting Shannon right, uh, right now and they all three of these characters feel very different in the way that they interact and talk to us. And I think that's, you know, that's a pretty big achievement for a game that only uses like written dialogue that you have to read and interact with. And right. I think that's it's quite incredible. But Yeah, it's um it's a very good, like subtle way of storytelling. Right. You know, like there's there's nothing that has been like, oh hey, these people may be dead. Right, you know, right. Um, yeah. This it's very much like, oh yeah, she's older than me now, but we were the same age. Like, there's a lot of implication, and you have to, right? You can't take things together. At, yeah, you can't take them at face value. Like, you have to kind of weave it together and read between the lines. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is what invested me in the story so so much because I mean, truthfully, come the end of Act One, we don't actually know. Really anything. Like, anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, but I'm still I'm super invested. I had to stop myself from playing Act Two. I was like, no, I need to wait. Like Well and, I, and from what I kind of like gathered about this game before playing is that's how people well, that's how it was initially intended to be experienced because like you said, it was almost a year and a half between each one of these acts. I mean, clearly it's gonna be a week, which is significantly smaller. Uh but it's it's not supposed to be something you kind of just play through and binge. It get, you you take some time to kind of sit on it and think about the things that you experienced, and then you go into this next act with those you know thoughts and speculations and stuff like that. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely going to be a deeper fault than I signed up for. <laughs> ben Ben's going Ben's going to be in tears by this game. You know, <laughs> true Zelda, Metal Gear. Kentucky Route Zero. <laughs> All of these are pretty much the same. Compelling, compelling narratives <laughs> that make you think, you know. Uh, yeah. But right, right before kind of uh, uh, Weaver has disappeared, she gave you the directions to uh, the on-rep. She tells you to take the 65 and head north. Then you take the first right at the Artificial Limb Factory. And at this point, I was like, what? I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> the Artificial Limb Factory? I love it. I was, I was so confused, but like you said, sold at the same time. I was like, I want to go see what this fact is. So like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you leave you leave uh, the Marquez house. You head back down the, this dirt path. You get back in your trunk. Trunk? Truck. <laughs> I mean, it does have a... <laughs> Sorry, my cat just <laughs> fell off the bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and as you leave, the, the camera starts panning out more and more. And you kind of hear this, this subtle music being played in the background and as as you continue panning backwards in the foreground here is is these three individuals singing and playing music they have instruments in their hands and they're playing some kind of song which it 
the song itself doesn't come off as eerie, but just these these three individuals almost sitting at this like well, they're still, uh, they're silhouetted, right? They're silhouetted as well, sitting atop this like hill, almost looking down at you playing the song is very uh, very ominous. Yeah. yeah, it was. Um, I mean, how can you explain? Like, I mean, I would explain it as like stereotypical deep south. Yeah, music. It's, it's, music. It's traditional, like American folk music. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is usually yeah. banjos and yeah. bottles. Like and... I said, the, the song itself is pretty upbeat, and it kind of has yeah. you know the banjo and bottle kind of sound. The lyrics to it. are not upbeat. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're <laughs> definitely not. They're not the lyrics. Like, what What I remember of the lyrics was like talking about him walking alone and only he could do this journey. Um, and it was, it was basically, it seemed to symbolize that like, you know, there's something foreboding for mm-hmm. Conway, some kind of revelation that's going to come at the end of, of this route zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it was wild. Um, but you're back on the map and now you have to head towards the artificial <laughs> limb factory. Uh, <laughs> And eventually, uh, as you pass the the limb factory, excuse me, um, you get to the zero on ramp, and you you notice that this kind of bridge on ramp has has been destroyed. So you you make your way up this hill, and now the the perspective sh- shifts, and there's there's a woman on a cell phone essentially. She's she's talking to someone, having some conversation with somebody. You can't really you know, gleam who she's talking to or what the conversation's about. Cause in your dialogue options, it's just stuff of her saying like what we chose. It's, it's kind of an emergency. I guess he can't kick me out for another two weeks and then, okay, I'll talk later. Those are the things. So at this point now you're answering dialogue options for the woman who we find out is Shannon. This is, yeah. this is uh, Weaver's cousin. And now we are almost essentially playing as her and answering dialogue options for her. Yeah. This was, this was one of my th- favorite fins so far other than mm. the the map system yeah. was this because this happens i don't know about you guys but for me it happened a few times throughout the the following section there was like bits where if you wasn't paying proper attention you would think you were still talking as conway um the only way you would know is that it would say conway's name and you're like well conway wouldn't refer to themselves as in the third person <laughs> right, so i right. must be i must be controlling shannon Right. No, there, there was, there was a couple of times where I looked at the dialogue and I had to like, you know, double take and get a second look. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is Shannon talking. And a part later I was like, is this Shannon or Conway? And I, you have, Oh, no, wait, this is Conway. This is clearly Conway talking. Yeah. But I mean, that was what I got from, from Shannon's conversation as well was that some, something was happening. She wasn't making rent. Um, mm. And essentially the, the person who owns whatever it is, that she's renting was basically saying that they were going to come and kick her out in like 48 hours or something. Right. Um, it was very soon. She was obviously very panicked about the idea of, of losing whatever this was. She seemed upset to the, the individual that she was talking to, but it, it, at least from the dialogue and just kind of going with what we were talking about before, really liking, liking the dialogue in this game, you kind of get the tone of like, she, this is a person she knows pretty well. Like, this is like either like a family member or a close friend or someone, and they're having this conversation. And she clearly called her because she was in distress about mm-hmm. this situation that's happening. But it just is another nod to the dialogue in this game that's really good. Yeah, yeah. I also think that the switching dialogue between you know Shannon, Shannon and Conway, 
kind of back and forth forces you to pay attention. Yeah. Because I think at this point, you'd probably be like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes in if you're playing it at a reasonable pace and reading everything. And mm. I think at that point, you might start to kind of like, okay, I get the hang of this. You know, I'm just right. I'm playing Conway and I'm just having these conversations and it really just throws you off of what you expect. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I really have to pay attention because I don't know who's talking anymore. And I, you know, I'm That's selecting good. dialogue options. Yeah. And that, that might've been, I mean, well, this is not a question that we'll ever have to answer to, but that might've been the intent too. Yeah. With a game like this, that is very heavily like, you gotta read. A lot of people, maybe this is the gamer specifically, us included, <laughs> don't necessarily love to read. But when you have stories like this, it's interesting to read. Yeah. There's lots of RPGs that I've played that have like very compelling narrative that is only told through dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. It's just. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know why. It, is something so well. that I love so much and why it yeah. works so well. Yeah, but it's just something about because there's no first or third person because it's all 2.5. Mm-hmm. There's no way to convey the changing of characters control. Right. You know, so to have it done so subtly is it was just nice. It was a refreshing change, really. Yeah. So you're you're playing as Shannon now, and and Conway approaches Shannon. So at this point, you guys are up on this hill, standing in front of the entrance to this mine. Um, and now now you're you're talking as Shannon. You ask Conway again, back to kind of the disgruntled, disjointed conversations. At least one of the dialogue options we chose was you ask Conway if he's afraid of ghosts, or does he believe in ghosts rather? Um, and then you. Sorry, someone's calling me. Uh, and then you ask him, well, do you think a person can be haunted? And Conway says, like, yeah, I think a person can be haunted. He's like, I, uh, or uh, he, he feels haunted by his bad decisions, which is interesting because n- now that we have this switch to Shannon, we get a little more insight of who Conway, Conway is, is as a character. Yeah. Now we kind of like, okay, he's clearly beat up it by himself by these bad decisions that he's made. What are those bad decisions? You know, what has he done? Yeah. Besides being a fantastic antique. <laughs> I, know, I don't think anyone goes, you know, through life being like, no, my no. goal is to be a delivery driver in rural Kentucky for an antique store. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't think that's anyone's dream. Uh, it honestly sounds very beautiful and I'd love to probably do it for like a year. And, yeah. you know, that sounds amazing. But I don't, I, I think that's like, you know, anyone who has that life would be haunted by their decisions, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's, I can't remember what she said. Well, what I said to Conway now, because yeah. I didn't go down the haunted route. Oh, I think I, I was kind of more direct of like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And he he said that he well, I, he said he was surprised, but he was like, "I I was expected this to be an on ramp for Route Zero." Right. Right. Well, um, the other the other dialogue option besides when you're asking Conway if he believes in ghosts, which is another reason why this dialogue feels odd, is she asks Conway, oh, are you here to kick me off the property? That's Meaning what that, I like, asked. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. that's that's the more, the more direct uh, response. And clearly, she, which is meaning she's not really supposed to be here. She's not like any official here or anything like that either. No. Yeah, and I ended up, I think she ended up saying about Weaver. Yeah, so, so Conway actually ends up explaining the reason why he's here in the first place. He's like, well, I... Uh, I have this delivery. I'm trying to get to Dogwood Drive. 
there is this person Weaver Marquez, and then she realized we realized that that's that's her cousin that sent me here to the zero. And then and then Shannon brings up something about like, well, uh, Weaver never lies, never tells lies. She's like, except for one time. I don't know if you got this dialogue option as well, but she's like, there was one time when we were kids when. Uh, Weaver had told me that her dad died in a terrible car accident. And she was saying, she was like, Shannon said, I was upset. I was so sad. But then our dad had come home and he was just went to the, like the hardware store to grab tools. And, and Shannon was upset at her cousin, clearly. But uh, Weaver swears that she wasn't lying. She's like, that actually happened. And she like genuinely believed that. Yeah, that was, a, that was a wild, wild story. <laughs> yeah, I did get that, and I was kind of like, "What the fuck is wrong with Weaver?" Like, why <laughs> like <laughs> I took your dad died. Like, what? What? <laughs> um, but Shannon also tells us that Weaver had told her to meet or, or to go to this location that Conway's at now, and that when she goes there, she'll find what she's looking for. And at, at this point, we find out that that Weaver and Shannon hadn't haven't talked in a long time that she randomly got this like call from Weaver Shannon telling her to go to this location which is conveniently where she told us to go as well so for some reason Weaver wanted both Conway and Shannon to show up at this location together and then meet for some reason which is which is interesting yeah what was also interesting was the there wasn't many but there was one or two instances where Shannon began referring to Weaver in past tense. Yeah. And was sort of like, sort of corrected her. Oh God, knocked me microphone, corrected herself. Um, I remember she was like, oh, she like, we were, and she's like, no, we was doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I and there was says, lots... Yeah. I believe Sorry, she God. says that she had, she had left mm-hmm. like, Oh, she she's been gone for a very long time, or something along those lines. Yeah, and yeah. At one point, well, she and she said the last time that she had seen Weaver was actually in their their family's workshop, and then she just had appeared, which is a similar circumstance to how we met Weaver. Is when we go into the Marquez farmhouse, she kind of was just there and kind of just appeared. So yeah. it's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to work out. Obviously, I mean, we won't know this, and it, it will become more clear, but. I'm trying to work out if this is like the other people are ghosts or if this is like a sixth sense situation. Like, or were ghosts? Like, we could see dead people? Or, yeah, or like, or like Conway's on the route to the afterlife or whatever. Yeah, as Rod Zero, the afterlife. Or it's time. Or is that like a weird time loop? Everyone's just disjointed in time and everyone's in different times, so. We'll see. Is that a hint or is that a speculation? No, I just know how much Ben loves uh, time travel. uh, Time travels. I was internally screaming. (laughs) Ben, this may be the game that, if it is time travel, that does it right. And you can finally check it off your list of finding a game that does time travel right. (laughs) Yep. I'll check Um, it off. So, so essentially, Shannon tells Conway, like, well, let's let's head into this mine. Like, clearly, Weaver wanted us both here for a reason, and she wants to measure the topology of the mine. Like, which is, this was so weird, yeah. No, it was it was so odd. So you head into the mine, and essentially, what she tells you is like, okay, we have to find out the the kind of map out this mine. How big is it? You know, how deep is it? And we're going to do that by Conway talking into the PA system and she's going to use that to 
I guess measure is this a thing? Is this a thing how they like measure yes and caves and, and mines? No, not in this yeah, you topology can be done using sound waves. Okay. But the idea is that you're shooting a wave of sound right. into something and then the reflection of that back can give you like what those surfaces look like. So do you need a technology to do that? Or could just Shannon have like a stopwatch and like click in how many times passes, like how big the you mine is. Okay, okay, okay. That makes yeah, sense. I mean it's so. similar to like I mean, it's not similar, but it's it's the same kind of principle as like bats. Like oh, yeah. bats will yeah. will like emit a sound, and then the sound will bounce off and come back to them. And, and that's how they gauge of... their location and stuff like that. Yeah, yes. yeah. So in college, we did topology studies and stuff. Oh, and there's these there's these large machines that look like lawnmowers, mm-hmm. and they shoot sonic waves into the ground and then depending on the reflection of the waves into the ground and back into the machine it'll tell you what the composition of the soil is and the different things so i mean there's pretty advanced technologies as far as like topology and and environmental science and stuff like that but i don't think you could just uh you know come into a pa system and then all of a sudden be like yes it's twelve thousand feet deep yeah was your uh was your inner environmental science student not happy with this guy oh no i was i i am fully uh invested in the story and willing to put aside all of my <laughs> understandings <laughs> of the world so yeah so, so now shannon and conway are, are, are trying to map this the, the this mine by using the pa system but there's no power to the pa system but there's like these overhead lights that are on mm-hmm. and and shannon says like okay i can i can direct some of the power from the overhead lights into the pa system so we can start this going uh, and, and all the while, Shannon's just telling Conway to make like certain sounds and stuff like that, and, and you can choose you to make clicks sounds, or like yeah. taps on the mic. I don't remember exactly which ones we did or if it changes what happens, but after, afterward or eventually, Shannon will tell Conway to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And the story we told was like... It was terrible. That we had... We used to have a roofing job, and we went to go do the job, but a thunderstorm happened, and we couldn't do the job. And that was like the story that we told into the PA system, right? Now. Oh, mine okay. was similar. There was we used to have a okay. roofing job. There was a thunderstorm, but in my one, someone ended up getting injured. Oh, interesting. Somebody got hurt. Um, I don't remember what exactly happened. I think I think something happened while they were doing the roofing, um, and somebody fell off of the roof and got injured. I believe. Well, this is interesting because I mean, you brought up time. But it's almost like there's kind of these, like, like almost in and out. Okay, hear me out for a second. Oh, okay. They're putting on tinfoil hats. Like an in, in-game and out-of-the-game kind of parallel universes, almost. where Like, like a full-full kind of thing. Yeah, so in the story, maybe there's kind of these different, like, parallel universes that are happening. And that's why it's all kind of disjointed. But also, out of here, you know, we both, had, we both have a character, Conway, that had similar decisions in life. But the thunderstorm in ours stopped us from doing the job no one got hurt and the thunderstorm in yours was like oh, okay it's fine and someone got injured <laughs> that's not fun well that's not fun. No, you're right <laughs> and someone died uh but it's just interesting that's my tinfoil hat uh, speculation i could be yeah. so wrong and sound dumb five episodes uh, i will say that story was much more interesting than ours yeah ours, ours was like, like thunderstorm okay we go tell a story and you're like i was working on a roof at a church then there was a thunderstorm and we didn't do the job that was a whole story <laughs> you're like that was a horribly boring story <laughs> No, mine was like, yeah, some, somebody got injured. Because um, I was wow. kind of, that's what kind of led me to think about the, sem- the sip sense side of things. Mm. So I was like, you know, 
is it Conway who got injured? Is this kind of like some sort of purgatory that he's stuck in? Um, but what is also sorry, but as I say, what is also interesting is that you you can't go back in the same save file and replay Act One. Oh, interesting. When I came off, I came off of um, I finished Act One, and I was like, okay, that's that done for the podcast. I went back to the menu, and there's like a dial. Yeah. And Act One is actually scored through, and you can't go back to it. Well, it's like it's like life. Like once you've made your decisions, you can't go back and change. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, so unless so I mean, in the in the beginning of the game, there are you have three save three files. Save files. So you can start journal, another save file. You have a film reel, and you have an audio tape. Yeah, uh, so obviously, I mean, you could do another start file, but I, as far as the world of that start of that save file is concerned, your choices yes. have been made. Yeah, interesting. Another thing that Shannon says kind of before this, we tell the story, is she informs Conway that Weaver, both Weaver and her parents used to work in this mine, which is another thing. Actually, she says everyone used to work in this mine. Well, (laughs) yeah, everyone around here, including both their parents. But it's just interesting. It's like, oh, okay. Um, But unfortunately, all of this noise that they're they're blasting into the PA system has caused uh, uh, rubble to, or this entrance to the mine to collapse. Um, classic classic uh and and after that shannon comes on and asks you if you were okay and like how you're doing uh and you have an option to click click like oh i'm fine or like i have an injured leg and we were like oh my leg is injured and now like our character has an injured leg because of that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i went with that same option he like he hobbles now yeah um and, and and Shannon tells you like, okay, well, let's get you onto this mine card now. The kind of entrance to the mine has been blocked off, and there's this mine card in front of you. Uh, Which uh, I was expecting, classic mine card. No, this is like a this, this is, is like, like an a bougie, intense ass this is a bougie mine card. Yeah. yeah, this is like yeah. I don't know how to explain it. It's like. A long and it looks like a car that's been modified well, for like yeah. Well, a she even says like, well, clearly this is it, it runs on electricity because there is a wheel that's going up to this wire that's clearly providing the vehicle with electricity. And Shannon tells you that the controls for this are on the side that you're sitting on, so you're controlling this and have the ability to move back and forth. So it's a little, it's a little better than your traditional minecart. Mine yeah. Um. But yeah, so you take the minecart and you start heading through this mine and the interesting thing and we had brought out brought up the the lantern uh, prior and right now that you're the mine is being lit by this lantern because clearly the entrance has been blocked so there's no light coming in but if you turn the lantern off there will be kind of a flicker of electricity that's being you know run through that wire of electricity into the mine cart that you're running and as it flickers you'll see these shadowy figures in the foreground and the other ground. <laughs> I forgot what the other one's called. Background. Background, there you go. Yeah. I thought that you got foreground. I know, foreground. The, the more uh, <laughs> lesser known version of, of those two. Uh, sorry, this is supposed to be spooky. Uh, In the foreground and the background, there's these silhouetted figures and as it flashes, they kind of move throughout this, this they, they line. Look- almost as if they're following you down the mine shaft. Well, I mean... They, or there's a ton of them. yeah. My understanding, and I guess I didn't share this, was that they were the the people working in the mine, uh, and they were like walking up and down these shafts as you would look like, you know, you're during a shift, you'd probably be walking up and down these giant shafts of this mine. So, but as, as if you do turn your lantern back on, there's no there's, one there. there's no one there. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I, 
Yeah, go on. No, sorry, go on. Go on. These figures disappear. Yeah, I was gonna say these figures only appear when you have your lantern off. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't turn my lantern off once, so I missed all of that. Oh, it's so creepy because creepy. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll just turn this off and see what happens. And immediately when you see that flicker, I was like, oh, yeah. So the oh no, so kind of like a cable car. I feel like that's what yeah. they're called. Yeah, it runs on like a big electrical wire that runs on the top of the the ceiling of the mine shaft, and it will flicker when it hits these like posts that it's connected to. And as it flickers, these figures will appear, and then kind of it almost like a flash, like it kind of fades slowly away back into darkness, and it's it's very ominous. Yeah, it's very good. So, oh man, I'm gutted. <laughs> <laughs> and it's even more like because you can't go back and like, oh, I'm experience that again. Like you, you're just you're stuck. Something that I also because I, I told you guys I, I kind of watched the playthrough is, and this is something we didn't do. So as you're going through this this you know mine, you can go and you get you get to the very end of the mine, and then Janet asks you like, well, hey, you know, is it, if, is it, if there's anything else you want to do, like go do it, and then you can come back here or something like that. If you do take the minecart backwards, because you can move backwards and forwards, there's there's a turnstile that you can get to that changes directions and changes where you can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I did this. Yeah, but I think one of these leads to a dead end. I don't remember what the other one leads to, but it's like, a story that happens before that Shannon talks about that she says that she's surprised this area is still like accessible and works because this used to be underwater and that there was a big flood that came in here and flooded the entire place, which maybe implies that also flooded miners that couldn't have gotten out in time, meaning that what we saw could have been their ghosts. Yeah, so it's like... So basically, I I found this turntable as I was going through. I didn't go back. And the way the turntable works is that there are these man-made monuments. So the one that you're on is like between a pile of bones and a boat. And then Mm. you can turn it and it will be like between the scarecrow and something else. Mm. And it's basically like three different routes you can go. Um, And it kind of, it tells this story about how the mining company wanted to get back their wages from the miners. So they basically, they installed this system where they got mine tokens. Yeah. Yeah. They had to pay for with their wages. And then the mine tokens would power the electricity Giving them like air and stuff like that. Giving them air and stuff. And then later on, they introduced a system where they had to pay for the canaries, which the canaries were used to send down into the mine to make sure that there was no harmful gas or anything like that. The idea was you would put the canary down and then if the canary came back up alive, the mine was okay to explore. Um, And so there was a system where they had to use these mine tokens that they bought with their wages to buy what is essentially, you know, essential mining equipment. You know, you need <laughs> right. air and you need electricity and a can like, need birds. You need, yeah. Um and it kind of there was this whole story where basically all of the miners ended up poor, like cripplingly poor because all of their wages were going back into the company to use this equipment that they needed to do their job to earn their wages so they could pay for the equipment. It's wild. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, yeah. We missed this. No, yeah. I was going to say, I didn't, we didn't get this at all. I, and it might have been because we were distracted by the flashing silhouetted figures. Because I think most of the time, once I figured out that once I turned my lantern off, that happens, I pretty much kept it off the entire time to the end of the mine. So we could have easily missed this turntable. Yeah. Um. But that's a real thing uh, that happened. 
here in, in, in the U.S. and especially in, in places like Kentucky, which are quite rural, uh, these mining companies would come in and create, you know, they'd find a vein of something and they'd build these towns and then they'd force their employees to only be able to use mining credits to buy food because they don't own the only store. And, uh, and it led to some questionable practices. I I'd never heard of specifically oxygen and electricity, but this is based on real things that happened in places like Kentucky that have affected people's lives for, you know, generations. So, um, that's crazy. Reason, I didn't know that. Reason, reason number four on Canadian. Not can we do America? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a real thing. There's some there's some horrible uh, labor uh, yeah. issues that have gone with mining companies in, in places like this. So that's interesting. They included that. So. Yeah. So yeah, we unfortunately we missed that. I I just I mean you would have talked about it and here, but I just just had saw that this morning when mm-hmm. I was taking notes and stuff like that. But you get to the end of the the this mine, the exit. And this is where the part where I talked about being confused about if I was Conway or or Shannon. Because I think Shannon says, oh, see, and I'm, I'm still confused. One of them says, like, hey, I'm going to go explore a little bit. Like, you wait here or wait for me to get back or something like that. Um, yeah, this was a bit confusing. Yeah, yeah. But it's essentially asking if you want Conway to go back into the mine or if you want him to leave. Right. But it was, um, Shan- it was Shannon, like, uh, it was the one. Like, Shannon got off the minecart and, and walked off into the darkness. And then it shifts to playing as Shannon in kind of this hallway. And, and you're walking as Shannon and you get to this big pile of helmets. And then oh my we click God, on I them. Didn't do this. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you get to this big pile of helmets, but when you click on it, it just kind of fades out. And then when you come back to, you're just, you're, you're, you're playing as Conway outside of the mine, right where the on-ramp was in the very beginning where you had gotten there this and is then, crazy i did not get any of this yeah so then when you're walking towards your car shannon will come running up behind you and conway's like oh did you find what you're looking for and she's like yes kind of maybe but i don't want to talk about that anymore and i was like what happened in that mine yeah <laughs> what were those, those helmets well yeah no, i didn't get any of this so wow i i got to the end of the mine mm-hmm. and because i'd explored the timetable um, because if you explore that, you get like a, a second, you get a sheet of paper in your inventory with the mm. journal that depicts what is at the end of each um, oh, gotcha. track. Like it's like a tape and I think there's a journal at another one and then there's the exit. Um, so because I'd explored it, I was just like, no, I'm not going to go back in there. So I didn't do that bit with Shannon. Mm. I played as Conway and I went into the little hut that is... Um, that is outside just before the truck. Oh. And there's a little hut that you go into and you're like looking around at the hut and there's notebooks. Um, and one of them is a notebook that is just random ramblings. And another notebook belongs to Weaver. Oh. And Weaver is talking about um, like her family and how they worked in the mines and how like, you like they're, uh, I think it's Weaver's talking about it. There's something to do with the mines and basically reiterating how poor it made people. Mm. Um, and then Shannon comes in and she's like, "Oh yeah, like don't worry about that. Like we should get going back to the back to the farm because you need to to get this TV installed for Weaver and and get it fixed." 
It's fascinating. It's almost like this game was built to kind of have. It's almost like this game was made for a podcast. Yeah, it's almost like to have these conversations. Very because, convenient. Yeah, because we <laughs> obviously we didn't see any of that that little outside house or the journals and stuff like that. But then you missed the whole part about the helmets, and now Shannon has this like weird like she's feels something's off to her and she was in that mind shaft for, for a long time for some reason she came out she's like i don't want to talk about it anymore so it's it's interesting like i said we're, our endings are the same we're, we're creating two parallel universes now yeah it is actually yeah weaver's talking about how her parents were involved in some sort of incident in the mine i had to think about it and double interesting double check i'm pretty sure that's what she says there's mention of like an accident like some sort of cave-in at the mine or something Mm-hmm. interesting well you get back to the car um and shannon asks you if you're okay because you still have your you know your gimpy leg now um <laughs> and you, you tell her like what we said is like oh like i'm fine but it's so painful and she says okay well i have some painkillers and i'll drive essentially like you're not good to drive i'll be i'm fine with driving she's like i've been driving since i was nine years old or something like that which is interesting. Very, very rural Kentucky. Right. I think to say. Uh, <laughs> and this is where, like, uh, going back to kind of, I wish we would have maybe explored a little more. She says that, well, Weaver is either going to be outside her workshop or she'll be back at the farmhouse. And so I imagine that you could try to find the workshop. I don't know if we ever got, low, like, directions to it at all. But we just headed back to the Marquez farmhouse afterward because we had to go there. And then, you know, the whole point of finding Shannon was to... Prepare the TV and stuff like that. So that's just immediately where I headed. But I'm curious if, like, what would happen if you looked elsewhere? Yeah, I think the the little hut that I was referring to, mm-hmm. I believe, is, is that, that is actually workshop? Shannon's workshop. Because oh, okay, interesting. She she said to me she was like, she she came into the workshop and we was having to talk about the journals and stuff, and then she was like, oh, Weaver isn't here. She must be at the farmhouse. Mm, gotcha. So then okay. we went. We went to the truck, and then we. we well, that that makes sense because we didn't actually go to the farmhouse. So she's like, she's either at her farmhouse or at the, uh, or at the the workshop. Yeah. And we could have gone. I imagine we could have gone to the workshop and looked at all these journals that Ben had seen, but we met our way back towards the Marquez farmhouse. Um, did you did you drive or did you did you have Shannon drive? I mean, it, I I had Shannon drive, but when you get to the map, you still control it like yeah. yourself like normal. Yeah, I, I just go there, but Shannon did drive. Oh, okay. On on mine, I had to I had a choice, and I made Conway drive. Conway was like, "No, I'm fine. My legs okay." Crashes in the car yeah. <laughs> into the burning tree. <laughs> into the bur- that's how the tree became burning. Uh, yeah, I should do it. Time. Um, <laughs> you make your way up the the driveway uh, once again, a long ass driveway. Yeah. Uh, attempting to get the split between going up and going towards the lamppost. Yeah, and at and, this point, because yeah, uh, like Conway's leg is still is still messed up. Shannon actually like helps him, like yeah, gets over like the grabs, shoulder, grabs and, like, the shoulder and pulls him kind of up the, the long driveway. And then she tells you that the uh, graveyard is is decorative, that it's not even a real graveyard. Yep. It's if just... you click if you click on the graveyard, she tells you that it's it's there's no one actually buried there, and it's just it's for decoration. Yeah, it's for decoration, which I found hilarious. I think that's yeah, because I remember she comments, so she's like, weird. I don't know why they put the Marquez name on the on the tombstone because like yeah. nobody's actually buried there. <laughs> it's wild. So so you and her uh, go back into the house, and Shannon talks to you about her family a little bit, saying that they were. I mean, talking about, you know, Ben being crippling poor, crippling poor, they had so much debt. They had a ton of loans and a ton of debt built up. A lot of it was actually from uh, 
Weaver's tuition because, you know, she was a mathematician. And then they talk about like that Weaver was using math to translate English to Spanish or something like that, which yeah. I, I don't know is a thing. No. Oh, okay. I don't, maybe. It'd be very cool. I would like to hear if that's how it would work. You it know, probably wouldn't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a Google, but yeah, go on, carry on. It just we has are, the, um... it's, it's the fantasy of, uh, <laughs> of it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, then Shannon essentially goes in and starts like messing with the cords and and stuff like that. She she randomly talks about like I usually don't recommend this to my customers, but she she like spits on the cords like they're corroded or something, and she spits on the dials. Uh, just for context, uh, this is is an older television. Oh yeah, um, and uh, is that a thing? Spitting on crew? No. Okay, I, I thought that's what you're going to go mean, with. Yes, that. I mean your saliva is slightly acidic and would pro- possibly remove some corrosion. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, there's there's a point where she says this is very dangerous. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and it's true. Cathode ray TVs are incredibly dangerous. They are extremely high voltages and can kill you very easily if you do it wrong. So I found it interesting that they added that little nod in there as uh you know this kind of tv repair can can be potentially fatal so <laughs> it's interesting that you're talking about voltage but she's spitting on it yeah i know that's why i was i was like oh god someone's gonna die this is this is not great um yeah it's, well, the, it's the, not a wise idea yeah the tv technically works there is a picture right. it's just you can't make out what it is it's right. so fuzzy right. and then she begins to repair it and then that picture uh slowly comes in uh yeah, so as as she's fixing it, she's asking you like, "Hey, like, can you see it? Is everything okay?" And you say something like, "Well, it's, like you said, it's a it's a little blurry. I can't really see." And uh, at this point, you're in that same view as you were when you were talking to Weaver. It's you guys, you guys are all silhouetted. The room's lit by the TV, and you can see the barn house in the background. Mm-hmm. And the camera begins to move in, kind of close to the TV. And as it moves in, you can kind of see what the TV is or what the image is on the TV. It's kind of like this hole almost. And as the static goes across the TV, the static also goes across the barn in the background, almost kind of switching them into different realities. Mm -hmm. Because now the barn is on the TV and the image of the hole on the TV is now in the The real world, which is Route Zero. Yes. And that's where you see see the entrance to Route Zero. Um, Yeah. So you get, did, did you guys get the little clip of the, of the truck? Yeah, of there's Conway's a truck, truck that drives through. drives through, yeah. and it's like, oh, and that's where Act One ends. That is the Act One. So I, I know so you have so many a, questions. Yeah, yeah. So so many so questions. questions. <clears throat> I know it's been a while, guys. You've played this, but I mean, for both of you, what was your overall impressions going in, and then just at the end of this first act? I, I'll go first. Uh, it, it's so it, it makes you want to play. Yeah, it hooks you. And especially because I don't think anyone expects Route Zero to be on the TV. No, not at like, all. Like maybe a hint to something or the, the mm-hmm. next step, but the fact that they put Route Zero and they show the truck going on it, and you're just like, oh my god, mind is blown. Um, no, it, it it's a it's a beautiful little first act, and it really it really sets you up for wanting to play the rest of the game. And I think it, I'm very excited to to jump back in uh, today two, and, and play Act Two. Yeah. Ben, what were your overall thoughts? Um, going into it, I was, I was curious. Um, the whole kind of reason that you know I, I was interested in doing this podcast and stuff was to to open my my right. mind up to some some new games. So yeah. when when 
I found out we was going to play Kentucky Route Zero. I was like, okay. I I had no expectations of this. If I'm if I'm being honest, you know, right. I was very sort of neutral, blank slate. Let's just see what it's about. Um, I am fucking hooked. Like, <laughs> I, I want to binge this game, um, but I, I won't. It's, I won't. It's so tempting. It it's really so dangerous. is. Yeah. But I mean, everything like Kai said, like just the the subtle storytelling, the 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 way the game, the act one ended. Everything has just pulled me in and made me want yeah. to play it. I'm really enjoying this, like, read between the lines storytelling that's going on. Oh, yeah, definitely. It it kind of makes you, like, and I know a lot of people, A, don't want to read, and B, don't want to think when they're playing video games. But that's what it, it does. It makes you kind of have to sit down and be like, I don't know if anybody else does this. I may be the only one admitting to something crazy. But, like, watching a TV show or watching something that's maybe suspenseful that you're into, and, like, pausing it and thinking about, like, oh, what, like, this happened and that means that this this is happening and you're kind of trying to put the pieces together. I did this a lot in this game of every time some dialogue option came up, almost kind of like stepping back and being like, whoa, what does that mean for this? You know, what does that mean for Weaver? Is she alive? Is she dead? Is she a ghost? Are we a ghost? Like, I mean, the game tells us to pay attention. Yeah. Like, that's, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did that uh, I did that a lot with the the mind section. Yeah. With, with Shannon and, and Conway mainly because I was trying to wrap my head around everything that Shannon was saying and how it worked into what I knew about Weaver and then the things I found out about Conway and working out, you know, this story that I made up with Conway, was it true? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, what, like, is it just something he made up on the spot or is he was he tapping into something? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess obviously we'll find out. Yeah, I'm hooked as well. I mean, this whole, like you know, fantastical realism kind of genre is so interesting. And again, I'll I'll plug it again because I love this game, Oxenfree. But if you haven't played Oxenfree, it's this. It's essentially this. I mean, I haven't played it through this entirety yet, so I can't say, like, if one's better than the other. But if you like this game, you'll love Oxenfree. And it's very similar to this style. They're very different in their approaches to the same genre, I would say. Yeah, they give off different tones as well. Definitely. <laughs> But they're, the writing and how kind of like that that idea of you kind of putting things together and thinking about more as more information comes up and kind of that read between the lines mentality, that's 100% awesome for you. Yeah, I definitely think I need to take more notes oh, absolutely. than I did for Act 1. <laughs> no, at, at the end of this and when I was kind of writing this up the other day and a little bit this morning, I was like, I need to probably do this in the moment because... Yeah. I mean, it's hard because you have dialogue options. It's not like there's kind of a set conversation that happens almost. And again, because some of these conversations are very like um, disjointed, it's hard to remember all of that that happens. And especially because some of that leads to different dialogue that we both get, or even completely different situations. <laughs> different dialogue, different experiences. Experiences, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna also start taking notes. And we recommend that to you guys. Take notes while Take you play notes. this. Tell us what. Tell us if we missed something. Yeah. If you're playing through this and you get a different. Uh, option or a different scene or a different area please let us know your experiences and of what course. and what you see and you know and, and I, if it's interesting enough we'll probably talk about it yeah. uh i know i know guys this game is good i know we're telling you to not only read think and now write but please i'm telling you this game is, this great. is just a trap uh to educate people yeah, this is, yeah. yeah. i mean this is definitely i feel i feel bad saying it but this it's definitely the most interesting game we've played so far. I think. No, I, I in terms I agree. of like, in terms of 
just the way it's done and how it's hooked me in and it like, might also just be because of of the game i know kai you have experience with this but you know a lot of it is is fuzzy and you haven't completed it at all uh but this is kind of one of the first games and we got this a little bit with frog fractions one of the first games we're all kind of going in not really knowing what to do or would know, or or, or ex- what to expect and this one's really interesting because we we have different things to talk about you know we're not both experiencing the same thing so we get to hear you know bend your stories about like the workshop and stuff like that and that's interesting it's interesting to listen to well let me tell you that the this game is set up for multiple playthroughs because you never know really what's going to happen you have different dialogue options yeah. every choice you make leads to a different outcome and i played this like three years ago so really my uh i'm going in it fresh at this it's point gonna be, it's going to be interesting to see if it if it falls into that that floor of like telltale games where yeah you know you you make a choice and it it doesn't really have a consequence because further down the line the the story mm-hmm. has to kind of converge back on itself yeah it'll be interesting to see how this ends and if it's different at all because i mean like we said there there is a set path that you go down and we 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 both got to the same ending you know like at the end of this first act we both are are set up to get to the next point we just had a little different experiences along the way i did have um one very interesting experience i did do a wee bit of exploring ooh um, and I, I saw a, a, mu- a museum. Oh. I went to a museum. Um, it was just, Awful. it was off of, uh, it wasn't great. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like, you, you walked in and there was a hallway. It was all event, like empty. And there was these double glass doors. And basically I pushed them and forced them open and broke the glass. And the light in it. At the end of the hallway, turn on, and then I went to investigate it, and the light turned off, and no one was in there. I was like, "Oh, okay," but that was like it, it didn't take me into the museum. It was like dialogue options on that map screen. Oh, interesting! Um, well, kind of almost like a text-based adventure, like you were, just yeah, like... kind of text-based ish. Yeah. And then there was another one where I was driving down a road, and there was a guitarist playing on the side of the road. And I walked over and I put a dollar in his cup and <laughs> he pulled the dollar out of his whiskey and gave it back to me. Like he wasn't a, he wasn't a beggar. He was just a, he was just a dude chilling, playing his guitar with a glass of whiskey next to him. That's hilarious. Yeah. I'm, Interesting. I'm, I'm assuming the reason that you can't go back and, and play through again is the fact that the decisions you make in one act will affect all the other ones. So mm-hmm. choices, like, as you're saying, like, the flaw of the Telltale games where it kind of leads to the same thing, regardless of what you do. Mm-hmm. That That is some of the reasoning is that, you know, I'm not saying that putting a dollar in a whiskey glass is going to have a major effect, you know, on the next act. But it is something you did that we didn't do and yeah. that, that will have an effect. Um, yeah. Did you guys go to the bait and tackle shop? No. Jesus. <laughs> That was okay, the... we're exploring more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a bait and tackle shop you can go to that was owned by somebody Weaver knew, or mm. somebody Shannon knew. It was like a, a close friend of theirs. Actually, I, I believe it was, I believe it was Shannon's parents who were involved in the mine incident, and it was Weaver's parents knew the person who owned the bait and tackle shop. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely explore more. There are lots of little lore expanding fins in in the world interesting 
Well, I'm hooked. Everyone's hooked. Hopefully you guys are hooked. Uh, but yeah, make sure to tell us about your experiences. Tell us things you did because maybe we might have missed it. Let us know on our social channels. Instagram and Twitter, at PlayAlongPod. Plug. Plug. Shameless plug. Always be plugging. Always be plugging. Uh, in the next episode, guys, we're just going to take this act by act. We're going to finish act two. I believe, looking at like the how to be, I think act two is about two hours. But if you're exploring and you're doing other things like that, it may be a little longer. These acts vary in length as we continue. Um, but thanks, guys, for listening and getting to the end of this episode. That's all we have for you. I'm excited for Act 2. I'm pumped. Next time. Play Long Podcast. Peace out. See you later.